The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, forming leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Valerie Wright with Wright Ideas Unlimited in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I'm your guest host for today's show. Dr. G is a bit under the weather, so we're sending her our best wishes. Uh, today we're delighted to have Rudolph Johnson III, the president and CEO of Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, joining us for this conversation. Welcome to the show, Mr. Johnson. We're glad to have you. Thank you so much, Valerie. It's good to be here, and I do want to wish Dr. G a speedy recovery. Yes. Um, this topic this uh, month is really exciting. It's about aligning policy and action for managing the complexity of change. And today with Doc, uh, Mr. Johnson, we will explore insights on translating the complex and creating understanding and buy-in when leading change. But before we launch into our topic for today, I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Johnson, if you will, to um, tell us a bit about yourself and what you've been doing. And I especially would like for you to share with us some of the things that have happened under your leadership at Neighborhood House Association because it is, I would describe it as an excellent case study experience of this kind of translating complex change into a digestible model of what uh, we're talking about today in terms of being able to get buy-in, create understanding, but take it, take that complex thing and make it happen on the ground. So as you talk about yourself, share with us how you're doing that at Neighborhood House. Well, thank you so much, first of all, Valerie, for the, those kind words. Um, you know, I'm not just the president and CEO of this organization. I'm also a former client, and mm-hmm. I think my passion and my drive to lead this organization always starts with that. In mm-hmm. 1968, I went through this very same Head Start program, which is one of our 12 programs to date. Uh, now that I'm president and CEO. So I think, you know, when I wake up every morning, I'm always excited to get after it because I know there are other families here in the San Diego County that are in need of these key services we deliver every day, just as I was back in 1968. So that's point number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, point two, you know, uh, it takes an entire team to be great. And, um, you know, Valerie and I have history. You know, Val at one time was part of this, this team, and 
I think you understand, Valerie, the, right. the demand of excellence that we have internally. We want every team member to come to work and be excellent every single day that they come to work. And we don't degradate these services just because the families we serve, for the most part, cannot afford these services on open market. Much to the contrary, we feel obligated to perform at even a higher level because we know we serve families that can't afford these services on the open market. And if they could, they would still choose the neighborhood house of San Diego because we feel we're that good in Mm -hmm. terms of how we compete in the open market with the services that we do provide. The third thing I would say is that we've taken a lot of time over the eight years that we've been on board since 2006 to build a healthy, robust, and strong infrastructure. You know, we've gone away from the manual operation of things to more efficiency, more electronic. Um, We're able to push information through our system at a quicker pace so that these 12 programs can be at its best as we're delivering these services on the front line. And then lastly, I'll say this. Um, I believe we have a team of individuals who have been there and done that. They understand how key organizations like the Neighborhood House Association are to cities across America just as we are to San Diego. And so I think we have 800-plus team members that come to work just as excited as I am. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. I, and I hear, heard you say a couple of things that I think are key to um, creating the change that you have, and that is, one, you built that robust infrastructure. And I can say from having been there when you arrived, one of the things you did was look out over the organization and forward-looking visionary plan in place that um, – I saw you drive every day as you, you know, walk the organization and talk with leaders, and I think that was critical uh, in terms of your vision, having that vision and cast it so that at every level of the organization, people understood where we were going. Um, can you talk more about how you use that to drive the change that you affected at Neighborhood House? Well, let me say this, first of all. I've had some great mentors in my professional career, you know, individuals like Carol Wallace at the Convention Center, Jack McGorry at the City of San Diego, John Duncheck on the Convention Center Expansion Project. And I, I liken my career to that movie Slumdog Millionaire. You know, I'm not the smartest executive in the room, but mm-hmm. I'm an executive that has been battle-tested and has gone through a number of situations in my career. So as president and CEO of this organization, I had a vision board. I knew in my heart and my mind what it took to get to a level of excellence because of the mentorship that I had along with the experience that I had in my you know, 25-plus year of uh, executive-level executive experience, I knew once I got in the seat of a president and CEO, um, there was a vision board I had to put together to drive that system and this organization to excellence. And, you know, you just start to chart down your vision board, and you don't settle for anything less. You, you adhere to the plan, you work the plan, and over time, 
um, it becomes part of your nature to be excellent. Okay. And how might other leaders go about leveraging and creating opportunities out of change uh, in their organizations? What what advice could you give them in terms of how to leverage and create that change, those opportunities that you created out of change? Well, I think the first thing is that more executives have to be um, embracing of change. I, I think sometimes as executives we get stuck in our ways and we don't want, you know, to participate in the change that's around us. We want to try to, you know, fight it off. We want to try to, you know, ignore it and hope, you know, what I call the proverbial whistling past the graveyard. You're walking mm-hmm. past and you're pretending like there's not a graveyard there. Uh, the bottom line is change is part of everything that we do. We need to expect change every day that we come to work. I think the great executives are the ones that embrace the change, number one. They plan for the change, number two. And they have to build an infrastructure that is flexible enough to accommodate change because change is going to always happen. Whether there are regulatory issues with the programs that you're managing, whether there are funding issues like, you know, you and I, Val, were talking about this government shutdown. I'd love to put that on the parking lot and come back to that in terms of how it's affecting a lot of these organizations that depend on government money. you got to have a plan A and a plan B. And then I think the last thing you have to do is have the right personnel on board that are like-minded individuals that can handle change and embrace it as well as you can as a leader. Okay. So that's excellent. If we're going to do, if we're going to um, create opportunities, one, you said we have to acknowledge and welcome the change. We can't pretend it's not going to happen. And then we got to plan for that change, which I saw you, uh, as, again, I'll go back to, you had that 30, 60, 90 day plan and set that vision and move forward. And then you, the infrastructure piece, I love, uh, you used to always say you are going to build your bench strength that you want to be able, if somebody walks out or couldn't be there, to go to the bench and have somebody just as strong step into that part of that infrastructure and being flexible and then putting the right people who are like-minded in terms of seeing that vision. And those are those are ways that you bring opportunity out of change, and I, I, I love that. And I think now is a great opportunity to talk about the government shutdown because this could be a pivotal point for change if organizations are not positioned to manage through this shutdown, you want to talk about how your organization is uh, positioned and what things you've put in place um, to, to deal with this time? Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and um, let me just say, uh, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm. You, you know, you what? I, I think I hear the music. I'm going to have to put you. Okay. Um, ask you to pause right there, and sure. then we're going to take a break. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, and Inspiring Solutions. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Health costs companies a lot more than just benefits, premiums, and health plans. Think about the underlying cost with not having healthy employees in the program investing in the future. Creating Wealth Through Health, host Susan Doherty will discuss employee wellness programs, how staying healthy affects the bottom line, and how to get your team engaged in better health as a way of life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Thank you for staying with us for Leadership Matters. I'm Valerie Wright. I'm a guest host for today. And with us this hour is Rudolph Johnson III, the President and CEO of Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. Today we're talking about um, embracing change, complex change, and how you translate that into opportunities and understanding and uh, change for your staff and organization. Before we went to the break, uh, we were discussing the government shutdown and how that impacts organizations and how um, Mr. Johnson's going to share with us how his organization is prepared or at least positioned to um, respond to this unexpected situation. So, Mr. Johnson, you were talking about how you go about being prepared. Yeah, thank you, Val. You know, the first thing I need to say to the audience is that you know, I'm not a politician, and I know there's some hot-button, um, you know, political issues mm-hmm. surrounding this shutdown, and I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to uh, just core operational issues of running a business or an agency. And um, the first thing I'll tell you is that, you know, we want to understand what this such shutdown could potentially mean 
to the clientele that we serve. So what do I mean by that? Every day we serve somewhere around 25,000 San Diegans through 12 different programs. So the first thing I want to know as the president and CEO is what does this potential shutdown mean to the service that we provide to these 25,000 San Diegans? The second question that I asked my staff was, from a cash flow perspective, are we able to flow cash through all 12 of these programs in order to maintain that service level during the shutdown? The third part of that is, you know, what does it mean to our employee base, our workforce? We employ almost, you know, 800 individuals, and if we were to be affected by a shutdown, it would mean 800 individuals could potentially be furloughed and be unemployed here in the San Diego um, County and therefore start to affect the San Diego economy. So we think about it from services all the way down to how it would watershed down the local economy. And um, I'm, I'm happy to say, you know, we're today, we're uh, providing all services on all cylinders in 12 different programs. Cash flow, knock on wood, has not been affected. We were appropriated for the most part out of last year's appropriation bills. Um, but if it goes much past 30 or 60 days, I'm sure everyone will have impacts. Uh, all of our employees are you know, still, you know, employed, 100% employed uh, throughout these 12 programs, and the money's still flowing to the local economy. Not every agency across America is in that same situation. And if it goes much past 30 or 60 days, not only are you going to have direct impacts for some of these nonprofits, but it's going to start to affect our state and municipalities in terms of how they run their government services. Mm-hmm. And if organizations are not as positioned as you, are there other options or are they? how do they manage through this crisis in terms of their um, government funding? Are there well, well, ways think, they can try to manage? Yeah, I think there are a couple things, a couple strategies that executives could, um, could, you know, use. And I think one would be, uh, line of credit, you know, if your agency has a line of credit with your uh, local financial institution, uh, you want to kind of set up a bridge loan if it, if it were, um, anticipating the length of the shutdown. So you'd have to run cash flow scenarios and see, you know, what a 30, 60, 90-day cash flow scenario looks like for you. Um, you could start to cut services, unfortunately. Uh, maybe not eliminate 100% of them, but maybe cut down a certain percentage to get yourself over a certain threshold and then fire the engine back up when the money is flowing after the government opens up. The biggest fear in all of that, Val, is that if you're not healthy enough or strong enough mm-hmm. as a nonprofit, when you start to shut down certain aspects of your operation, it may mm-hmm. cost too much to fire them back up. What do I mean by that? You know, you may have a lease arrangement with a landlord. You may get behind 30 or 60 days, may not be able to get dig out of that hole because um, whatever financial institution that's funding you may not, you know, have back pay provisions to, um, to catch you up in terms of that default on your rent or your, your lease. Um, also, your energy cost. You know, you may get behind 
running, you know, your fans, your lighting, etc., for these massive buildings longer than 30, 60 days. And so the point is, you know, if you shut an aspect down, you may have the fear that you may not be able to revive that part of your operation to be 100% of functional moving forward. Mm-hmm. That sounds like good advice for organizations who really probably haven't thought about ways to um, manage their organizations through this crisis. So being one, finding if they are be- uh, eligible for a line of credit and a bridge loan and then looking at services they could cut, but considering the cost to restart if, in fact, they do have to cut services, uh, having that whole picture. So excellent advice to our listeners, Mr. Johnson. I do have a question from um, a uh, listener in our audience. His name is, he's, well, I'm assuming Anderson from California says, what have you found to be the most compelling motivation for you when you're preparing for major change? Um, for me personally, um, I think that I'm just flexible enough to expect mm-hmm. change in my daily operation. I, I can't say it any simpler than that. I, you know, I always, you know, um, plan for the worst and expect the best. You know, you mm-hmm. heard that saying before. So I'm, I'm constantly planning for change, and if something different than change happens, that's even better for me. But mm-hmm. I know operating, you know, a, a multifaceted organization with 800 team members uh, through 12 different programs, you're going to always have change. And if you don't like being in that business, then you're probably not in the right business, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's good advice for Anderson, being flexible and plan, planning for the worst, planning for the worst and expecting the best um, in terms of facing and preparing for change. I want to shift the conversation a little bit and talk about one of the things that um, we've been talking about this month is um, – policy and its impact on change, what do you um, think the value is and and maybe how might one go about creating diverse policy bodies? If policy is a part of addressing change in organizations or outside of organizations, we may be talking about a nonprofit board or we may be talking about a governmental body who set policy. How... um, how is having diversity on that policy body valuable to change, and how you how do you go about creating that? Well, that's a very good question, Val. And and, and let me just say this: you know, a lot of individuals associate diversity with cultural diversity. Mm-hmm, but diversity mm-hmm. diversity can mean many many different things. It can mean skill set diversity. So mm-hmm. you can have members of the financial community, members of the business community, members of the legal community, all on your board with different skill sets, and you have a diverse board. You can have mm-hmm. gender diversity. Mm-hmm. You can have diversity in terms of, you know, uh, individuals being from different pockets of the community that you serve or the county that you serve. So I would say diversity is D, all of the above, and mm-hmm. I really think, especially for an agency 
um, such as ours that serves countywide, we have to look like, speak the language, and understand every pocket of every community that we're in so our clients always feel comfortable with us as an agency and who we are on the front line of delivering those services. And we try to recruit board members that are diverse in every single category so that our community and our clientele always feels comfortable with the level of services we're providing and who we represent as out in the community. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I know that your board, it, it does reflect all of those diversities that you described in, in terms of who you are as an organization. And so then what does the what is the role of policy development and change and how does and then I want to want to talk about how the process of policy development works. But first, what is the role of policy development in terms of diversity, uh, in terms of change and organizational shifts? Right. So you know, your policy body has to stay way up at thirty thousand feet in the air. They can't swoop down um, and hover around the operational level of the organization. And what I mean by that is they give global direction from 30,000 feet in the air. They kind of set the boundaries in terms of how you're going to function as an agency, and they mm-hmm. give all of that information to their executive, uh, which is their CEO or their executive director, and he or she then has to take that information and make it work operationally down on the front line. And that demarcation of policy versus operation is very key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then how, and that process of policy then is in the hands of staff in terms of how it gets implemented, how it shapes change, how it moves the organization forward because now it is guiding how you work on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. It's the, it's the blueprint, if you will, in terms of how to build the infrastructure, how to run this organization. So the board kind of builds the blueprint give the blueprint to the executive. The executive takes the blueprint and starts to build off of that and really create the operational environment and the operational machinery needed to carry that mission out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when we talk about change and um, the pace of change, how do you keep the momentum and engagement of your staff if if it's directed from thirty thousand feet down to the day to day, you know, sometimes it it becomes it, it can feel like my own shit if you're working it every day. How do you keep that momentum? And I know you sustained it over a period of eight years in terms of your organization um and what you've done in in, in that in the work of changing your the agency, sustaining and building that infrastructure and building bitch strain. How have you sustained momentum? Uh, for your team, because I know that they are highly engaged. How, how do you sustain that? Well, I think the first thing you have to do, and, and, you know, we're real good at this through our organizational development arm, is really continue to work with the culture internally, um, work with the morale of the organization, keep your finger on the pulse of the organization through our Lift, Learn, and Serve program. We're constantly trying to take the pulse of our 
workforce and ensure that they're engaged, not just at the operational level, but engaged in the overall culture of, you know, what we're doing in terms of our mission. But the other thing that we we preach around here is that every man or woman has to do their individual job. And mm. what I mean by that is you have 800 individuals moving this organization in a direction, and every man or woman has to do their job to move this organization. You can't do someone else's job or critique someone else's job function and still perform your job. And so we've been real successful, knock on wood, at focusing on the job at hand for those individuals that come to work to do that task. Excellent. Uh, And we're going to have to stop with that and go to a break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luce Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for staying with us for Leadership Matters. I'm Valerie Wright, serving as guest host for today's show. We have a special guest with us today, Rudolph Johnson III, President and CEO of Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, where they're doing great things. Welcome back with us, Rudy. Thank you um, so much. Yes. want to go into another segment here and talk about um, what leaders need to do to create and manage professional development and opportunities for growth. want to um, get your feedback your, through your lens. What do you think leaders need to do to create and manage professional development and opportunities for growth in their organization, especially an organization that is is an organization that's changing? Uh, we, we know that people need to grow and change and evolve and equip themselves for the next level the organization is moving to. So how do you do that? Well, that's a very good question, and thank you for that question, Valerie. First of all, I think good leaders need to have a pulse on their direct reports. I meet with my direct reports every single Monday. Um, In fact, Monday is my meeting day, my one-on-one day. Um, Every single direct report gets an hour uh, to meet with me, and he or she creates their own agenda so that I can be briefed up or if we need to message down inside the organization, that's kind of the, the form to do so. What else do I learn in that meeting? I learn a little bit about those individuals. I learn about uh, what skill sets they want to develop. I learn about next level of education that they want to pursue. I learn about uh, what their career goals are, et cetera, and then you know, depending on what they reveal to me, we start to chisel out a game plan and we develop that. Um, that allows them to start growing professionally. And eventually, you know, if I'm doing my job right, Valerie, uh, we're going to see a whole bunch of CEOs out there coming out of the farm system of the Neighborhood House Association. The mm-hmm. other thing that we do is we have a management academy inside of our organization. And again, you know, our organizational development team is a dynamite team. Um, you know, once a year we take a group of what I call mid-level managers through our management academy, which kind of gets them ready and prepared to be bench strength, as you call it, for executives that may, through attrition, be leaving our organization and give them a chance to compete for some of those spots. The last thing that we do when there's really not a lot of movement from one place to another, we create opportunities for what we call special assignments where someone can serve outside of their natural scope um, and job description for a period of time, six months to 12 months, on a project that's going to really stretch them and develop new skill sets so that at the end of that um, time frame, he or she is in a better position to compete moving forward. So those are just, you know, some recommendations that I have. Okay. I, and I do have a question from a caller in Florida, Rudy. He's, it's Bill. He says, I work for a multi-service organization with about 125 employees. How can we use our human resources department 
to help leaders in our organization embark on their journey to personal development and career growth. So and I know I'm, you have a fantastic HR department. We do, and our HR department works very well with our organizational department. You know, um, Duke Sobeck and his team, they work very, very well with our OD department. And part of, you know, what I would recommend to that individual who uh, sent in that question is that, uh, especially for your mid-level managers and even some of your executives, your HR director or vice president should start engaging those individuals and really starting to mind map a career uh, vision board is what I would call it of where they want to be in the next, you know, three to five years, five to ten years, and start now on developing those skill sets so that when that time frame comes around, those individuals are in a better competitive situation to be successful at attaining those particular goals that they were looking to attain. Mm -hmm. So, Bill, I think you have received some good information about your human resources department being uh, taking a leadership role in helping individuals map out what their career vision is and then supporting them in developing those skills over five years. Thank you for your question, Bill, from Florida. Um, I want to talk about um, how one can, what one can do to get better at their craft and create opportunity for advancement. And I know that you have... Um, I'm reading your resume here, and I know that you've done that both at the city of San Diego, at the convention center, the San Diego County Convention Center, and even in your role, a jump to neighborhood houses CEO. How have you been able to do that, and, and, and what can you tell others in terms of honing in their craft as a leader, honing in on their technical and leadership skills and creating opportunity for advancement? Well, you know, that's another great question, and I don't know that I can sit here and pretend like there's a magic formula or order mm-hmm. to do things because I would be misleading you if I said that. I mm-hmm. think career development is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, one of the first things that I tried to do was kind of balance myself from a technical and um, a marketing and a um, – you know, uh, what I would call a sales managing perspective. Um, so I, I developed my op skills. I developed my marketing skills. I developed my sales skills. And I try to bring all those things together prior to becoming a president and CEO so that I had what, what my old boss used to call depth and breadth of knowledge. And There's no secret sauce to doing that. I think, A, you need to sit on some boards in your community and kind of learn the skill sets that you don't really have. I mean, if you sit on a board, for example, and you're on an auditing committee of a board, you can develop auditing technical skills without actually being an auditor yourself, right? And you can bring that back and bring that in your toolbox. Um, I used to do a lot of special projects, for example. I'd take on 
assignments six to 12 months at a time, like when I was council liaison to the city manager. had nothing to do with my technical expertise, but it developed another side of me professionally, brought that back into my toolbox. When I went to the convention center, I eventually became the general manager, and I found myself, you know, being a marketing professional of the city of San Diego and the convention center exhibit space. I found myself negotiating food and beverage deals uh, to groups that were coming to the San Diego Convention Center. So I brought that back to my toolbox. At the end of the day, when I became president and CEO, I had a lot of things in my toolbox, and I was ready to be an effective president and CEO. The last thing I'll say is that I think a lot of us try to leapfrog over these key and core um, skill sets and just jump to becoming a president and CEO, and then you get lost because you don't have that depth and that breadth of knowledge that you need to be a successful president and CEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like um, what you're saying is that a person has to really expand their core skill sets, and it's not just in a position, but they've got to connect and get mentors. You talked about that earlier as well, and and their knowledge is not always going to be in a training or but that they're going to have to be hands-on and 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 take on uh, stretch opportunities in terms of projects to hone in skills that they may not even be thinking about in terms of where they want to go. Absolutely. You hit it mm-hmm. right on the head. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. So um, one of the questions I want to um, pose to you as well is within your organization, do your employees get an opportunity to develop those plans that are not at the leadership level? Are they able to uh, work on development plans so that as a part of developing your bench strength, they are getting uh, additional skills that will help them prepare even to get into management academy or to be ready for that kind of leadership? The answer is yes. And, you know, let me go back to something I said earlier in case the listenership, you know, didn't hear me. I think um, developing your career plan is Mm -hmm. very personal. This is not something that the company is going to sit down with you at some time in your tenure and say, Rudy Johnson, let's talk about your career. Right? So it's very Mm -hmm. personal. And even when I was young in my career at the city of San Diego as a resident engineer, you know, in the engineering department with a BS in civil engineering, I took control of my career because I knew I didn't want to be an engineer all my life. As a Mm -hmm. matter of fact, you know, I was good at math and science and I was good at my engineering craft, but I thought I could be a good manager as well. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I had to do was I had to go back to school and get a master's in public administration. I didn't Mm -hmm. wait for the city of San Diego to come to me and say, Rudy, let's talk about you getting a master's. What Mm -hmm. I did is I got aggressive with my own career growth and I enrolled myself into the master's program for public administration at San Diego State University. Once I unleashed that... Let me, let me put a pause there 
and we need to go to commercial break. And when we come back, I do want to take that up and continue the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, and Inspiring Solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Thank you for staying with us for Leadership Matters. I'm Valerie Wright, and I'm the guest host for today, joined by Rudolph Johnson III, President and CEO of Neighborhood House Association in San Diego. And today we've been talking about uh, aligning policy and action for managing the complexity of change um, and dealing with the subject in particular of how you translate the complex and create understanding and buy-in when you lead change. And we've kind of talked about a number of things as it relates to uh, policy board, how policy impact change, the importance of having a diverse policy body. Um, we've talked about how even as a leader you 
need to create and manage your own development and opportunities for growth in order to stay with an organization that's growing and be relevant and effective in that organization. And we're at our last segment. And one of the things we always do, uh, Mr. Johnson, is ask our guests to tell us about someone that you see as the best leader of our time and help us understand why. Well, that's a very easy one for me. I'm partial to current President Barack Obama. Um, I just think he's leading in a unparalleled, you know, time in our history as uh, a country. Yes. I think he's um, very much a trailblazer. There's no roadmap that he can um, that he can look at, and um, you know, he's rewriting the history book um, every day that he serves in office and. You know, I admire and tip my hat to someone who's that brave and courageous. Yeah, I agree. And I think he, as it relates to our topic today, the complexity of change, I think he has affected change in this country. Um, and it has probably been more complex for him than any other leader in terms of where we stand in our history as a country. How would you speak to how, because his, his campaign was about change, so can you address a little bit of his change and complexity and how that um, tie in together? Well, I, you know, I think he represents change in a, of itself. And, again, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be a politician. I'm just talking right. as a U.S. citizen right now. I think we got hung up on the semantics in terms of, you know, him saying that he was going to bring change to this country. I, I think by the very nature of being elected, and then reelected, mm-hmm. and him blazing a trail that had never been, you know, blazed before, uh, makes him a change agent. And everything that he does from now until when he leaves office is really going to be a reflection of the change that he brought to us, you know, almost six years ago. And and that that's the way I see him. That's the way I see his administration. I, that's the way I see what he stands for. Hmm. Um. Yeah, and I think that speaks to what we're talking about, about in terms of change and staying the course. Um, you, any kind of thoughts you want to share with us, a lesson to learn? Well, the first thing, you know, I think my staff would probably be very disappointed in me if I didn't mention that we're going to be turning 100 years old come mm-hmm. January 2014. We've been servicing the San Diego community for 100 years, which is a huge, huge accomplishment. And I applaud all my forefathers, my foremothers, mm-hmm. the Marston family, and mm-hmm. every employee that's ever worked for this organization for, you know, such a high achievement. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. And then the second thing um, is that you just really have to be flexible you have to plan for change every day that you come to work, expect change, and then, you know, whatever happens from there will be a step up. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today, Rudy. We, uh, this conversation about change is, I think, critically important at this juncture, even in our history, but also in organizations we are at a point of ever-evolving environments that we are working in as nonprofits, as for-profits, um, you know, the instability of things, especially as it relates to our government now, and to understand how do we take that complex process 
and do what you've done, for instance, that neighborhood house, create an, in an organization, as you just discussed, that's 100 years old, to be able to make it relevant, cutting edge, flexible. I, I, I know that you pride yourself on having the ability to be nimble and ready to act. And so I think you uh, present an excellent example of what we're talking about, managing that change so that you are not only successful, but you are able to create opportunities out of that change um, in terms of how you have structured and restructured programs to be um, competitive even with for-profit organizations. Um, and I know that when I was there and even now, your the, the goal of being chosen regardless to being a nonprofit that your services and what you provide and what you do is such cutting edge that whether a person had money or not, they would choose you because of what you do and how well you do it and not because it's free or because it comes to um, public funding. So really appreciate having you on the show and sharing with our listening audience from your vast experience. Um, now we want to um, remind our listening audience to join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. You can join the conversation by calling 866-472-5789 or emailing leadershipmatters at innovations.org. And Rudy, do you want to give the website for um, Neighborhood House? It's, it's neighborhoodhouseassociation.org um, or neighborhoodhouse.org, O-R-G, and uh, drive the website, take a look at um, the programs that we're delivering, and we have some special information on site now uh, just really recapping our 100 years of service. So this is an exciting time to, for us. And let me just say um, to Dr. Cheryl G. that may be listening, uh, you know, we, we want you to have a speedy recovery, and we look forward to seeing you soon. And we we like to invite our listeners to join us in Madison, Wisconsin, November, uh, I'm sorry, October 16th through the 18th for the Advanced uh, Cultural Competence Academy for Leaders. You can go onto the Advanced website and register. Um, Mr. Johnson will be there. We'll have Stedman Graham, one of our speakers, Andre Howard with Children and Family Services. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.